Sunday is, um, I have a very strong word for you, Sunday. And uh, I feel God's given me direction. Uh, he's given me his heartbeat, if I can say it that way. Um, he is, I think it's his heartbeat for our church for 2024. Um, I know that I'm responsible for for our section and for the churches of our section, but I feel this strongly for our church. And uh, and I, I feel like I've got a strong, strong word. Now, I don't want you to be concerned that I'm going to whip you into shape Sunday. That's, that's not the kind of message that I'm bringing. At least I don't think that's what I'm doing. But rather, I feel a word that God has given to me that will cause you to leave here Sunday with a yes in your spirit. And, uh, and I'm not going to tell you too much more about it than that. Otherwise, I'll start preaching my message now. And I'm, I'm ready to do so. But it's good to be back in the saddle again. And it's good to be back up here teaching. <clears throat> Thank you. I, I have rested long enough. I've rested long enough, and I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, you know, y'all know, y'all know that rest. It's not what everybody cooked it up to be. It's, it, but I imagine by the time I get there again next uh, in November, I'll be ready to rest again. So, uh, but anyhow, thank you for praying for me uh, while I was sick, and uh, I, I just. I don't know what I had. I just know I, I didn't go to the doctor. I told Donna, I said, they're going to go, I go to the doctor. All they're going to do is tell me to go home and do exactly what I'm doing. And I'm just going to not go to the doctor, and I'm just going to stay here and do what I'm doing. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's the old saying says, you, if you got a cold, you go to the doctor, and he gives you antibiotics, and you get over it in seven days. But if you'll stay in, you get over it in a week. So it's, you know. <laughs> oh, well. By now, you are ready for somebody else to come speak. I mean, his jokes are not any better than they were before. So, oh, goodness. Well, let's get started. Before I can give you the word that, that I, I plan to give you on Sunday, uh, I got to give you this tonight. And I feel like it sets, sets us up for the work. And I'm amazed. I am totally amazed at Sunday service. I sit there at the house, and while y'all were having church, Mason stepped up, and some of the things he said, I thought, man, that's a good introduction to my message. Then Keith gets up, and he tells you, I dare you. <laughs> I dare you to get up and go again. Uh, don't remember exactly his title, but I listened to that and I said, that's the perfect setup for my message. So when I, I sit there after it was all said and done and I'm sitting there thinking, God's got a plan. I know, I know what I've got, he gave me back in November. And uh, I started to tell you how he gave it to me, but I would start preaching my message and I, I'm not going to do that. But, uh, but anyhow, I, I got it back in November. And to think now, I'm fixing to deliver it Sunday. And God is setting everything up for the message on Sunday. So get ready. 
We're on a collision course right now with eternity. I think we all can agree with that. Uh, it could be this year. Uh, I don't know whether it'll be this year or not, but I do know that it could be. It's much closer than we realize. I can promise you that. Uh, I, I think if we, if we stopped and, well, if the Lord would allow us to look in and see exactly when he's coming, it would scare us half to death. I, can't, I guarantee you this church would be full if we knew exactly when he was coming. And, uh, but it's much closer than we realize. The Lord is doing his best. And I, and I mean this with all my heart. He's doing his best to make sure that each of us are ready because he doesn't want anybody to be lost. He's ready for, he wants us to meet him in, in the rapture or if we should see death, that we would be ready to meet him. Let's face it, there are many distractions around us. All of us can testify to that. Often it becomes very hard to keep our lives focused on God and his plan for us. Every one of us is on an information overload. And information becomes very distracting. It really does. We used to get just the important headlines of the day. There's a lot of you in here that's uh, younger than me, so you may not remember those days. Those that's my age and up, you remember those days when we got just the headlines. Sometimes it was just the headlines of the week, but then it got to be the headlines of the day. Now we get the important and the unimportant headlines of the moment. Not the day or the week, it's the moment. Social media consumes so much of our time. I'm not on any social media platform, so don't go looking for me there. I won't be there. Uh, but I get a once-a-week notification on my phone that tells me how much screen time I have used on just my telephone. Now, I don't know if you do, you get that or not, but I do. Screen time for me includes text, it includes weather, it includes news items, um, things such as that. That's about that and phone calls. That's about all I use my phone for. But I'm amazed every week at how many hours in a week I have spent looking at my phone. Now, I'm going to tell you how many hours. It's usually somewhere two, two and a half, three hours. And I know some of you are sitting there saying, are you kidding me? Mine's 10 hours, 15 hours, whatever. But I'm just thinking that's a lot of time to sit there and look at that little old bitty thing all week long, you know. Uh, the enemy of our souls is pulling out all stops, doing his best to trip us up. And if he can keep us distracted, then, he won't, then we won't see the signs that's happening around us. In fact, if, we, if he can keep us distracted with our own issues and our own problems, we won't even see the signs of his coming that's happening in the world. Distractions can destroy our focus. If our focus is taken off of what God has done for us and is trying to do through us, then there is a great probability we will be deceived by the enemy of our soul and we, be, we will be lost. Hear me. I said it's a great probability we will be deceived by the enemy and be lost. Not a possibility, but a probability that it will happen if he can keep us distracted. Which brings me to my title and my thought for tonight. 
I want to talk to you about this. I almost tripped. I almost tripped. Now, no, I'm not fixing to confess to sin and things like that, so don't, don't get nervous. That's not what this is about. I'm going to read to you from Psalm 73. And I'm going to read the entire chapter to you. And I'm going to read it from the King James. And then after I have read it from the King James, we're going to go back and we're going to take it apart. Because I feel this is very important for us on this very first Wednesday night as we set our course for 2024. Because I believe everybody in this room can relate to this chapter or it's at least some point of this chapter everybody in here will relate to it let's read truly God is good to Israel now let me stop right there I know I'm already chasing rabbits here but let's just stop right there truly God is good to Israel now let's understand and let me clarify this is not just written to Israel because under the New Covenant and the New Testament, we also understand we are adopted in. Okay? So this is not just to Israel. But as this was being written by the psalmist, that was the, that was the day and that's who he was writing to. Truly God is good to Israel. And here it is. Even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They have more than heart could wish. Does that sound like the world today? They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people run hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God and then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors? As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, 
I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Now before I go any further, because somewhere in this message, this question may arise in your mind whenever you say, but Brother Bruce, we, we have lives to live. And I understand that. And I know that we have lives to live. We have life obligations. We have life dreams that we must and we want to fulfill. There's no doubt about that. In fact, Scripture tells us, though, to live this life until he comes. It, it tells us that. However, life is not to take over the life priorities that Scripture has set for us. Please understand that. Matthew wrote to us as he recorded the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, and this is what he said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. There are three, there are three very important little words here. Seek ye first. Seek what? the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is the bedrock or the anchor, shall I say, of our life. That's, that's worth a good amen, okay? Now, y'all might as well say amen. Otherwise, I'm gonna thank you going to sleep and I'm not gonna wake you up, so I'll just keep droning on and on and on and on. Three important words, seek ye first. We can't lose sight of the first things first, folks. You can't, in all of the problems that are going on in life, you cannot lose sight of first things first. Only one thing can be first. Please, please keep that in mind. Only one thing. You can't have ten things on your list that are first. Just one. And that one is Jesus Christ. That's the most important Thing, and well, here I am saying thing again. When I was praying this morning, I, I was I was praising him. I said, "You're you're worthy of all praise." And and I can't remember how I phrased it, but I said, "You're the only thing worth." And it hit me. He's not a thing. He's a he. He's a he. He is worthy of all praise. He's not a thing. He's worthy of all praise. And our focus must be on him. He is the first thing. I understand you have life to live. But if you can't, if you can't live your life with him being at the, at the helm of your life, then you're living the wrong life. Readjust your priorities and make sure that he is the center of everything. Amen. Society and culture cannot, society and culture cannot replace or redefine for you and me the priorities that God has in his word that he's already given to us. 
Culture can't redefine that for you. I don't care what culture says. We know what this book says. And let me just say this about this book. Don't, and, and, and this year, you've got to get in this book more than you've ever been in this book in your life. And don't tell me I can't understand it. Okay? There's too many explanations out there. If you have a phone, and most of us do, and you're having trouble understanding the King James, then download the app. Go to the app store. I know you know where the app store is. Go to the app store. Download version. Y-O-U, space, V-E-R-S-I-O-N, or however you spell version. Okay? version. I promise you there are more... Yeah, there's, there's more translations of the Bible than you can count. Not only that, you got the Hebrew, you got the Greek, you've got uh, study guides, you've got plans, you've got all. There is no reason for any of us today to not understand the Word of God. And you can say, well, but Brother Bruce, I don't like to read. Okay, well, out of all of those tens and tens and tens and tens of translations, Many of them are in audio format. So you can play them on your radio as you're on your way to work. You can play them on the way home. There is no reason for any of us to, to not understand the word of the Lord. The Lord knew that we would get to this place and he said in his word that there would be a famine in the land, not of bread and of water, but it's of the word of God. And I want you to understand in 2024, you better get a grip on this book. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You've got to have this book. You've got to have it in your heart. Okay, enough, enough. Let's, let's, get, in, let's get back to my point. Uh, let's go back to verse 1 of Psalm 73, but this time we're going to take it apart and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because I realize the King James some of you were getting bored by the time I got about to the 20th verse or maybe the 15th or 18th verse. You were getting bored because you didn't understand it. Well, I'm going to break it down and you're going to understand it. Beginning in verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. The psalmist here is not talking about I almost made a mistake. Rather, he is saying, there have been times I almost threw the towel in. I almost quit. Have you ever felt that way? Come on, answer me. Have you, have you ever felt that way? I have. In fact, I probably two or three times a day I feel that way. Maybe not quite that often. But yes, things happen. Situations take place. And there are times that we wonder, Lord, what's the use? And, and that's what the psalmist is talking about here. Sometimes the pressure of life and its demands can be overwhelming. We want to escape. Do you realize people that get into habitual sins, they get into those habitual sins to escape? They didn't get into that 
because it looked attractive. No, they got into it to escape reality. And now the world wants to feed you reality TV. What everybody's been trying to escape. <laughs> you should escape reality TV. I can promise you that. What did the psalmist feel? Why did the psalmist feel this way? He says in verse 3, For I envied the proud. This is why his feet almost slipped. This is why he almost threw the tally in and quit. He said, For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Now, you've, you've, you've looked around. You have. And you wonder, how in the world can they, can they be blessed? Here I am, I pay my tithes, I, I give in my offerings, I'm faithful to the house of God, and it seems like everywhere I turn, something is happening. I mean, the world can cuss, they can fuss, they can fight, they can party, and it seems like they enjoy life without restraint. Do whatever they want to do. There's no guidelines for them to live by. And sometimes I just wonder why. Verse 4 says, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. Verse 5, we can relate to this. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. You know those kind of people? I know a few. They wear pride like a jewel necklace, and they clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats. <laughs> That's the New Living Translation. See, it gets interesting. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth and so the people are dismayed and confused drinking in all their words. And we see it every day on the media. And we hear what the media is, the negativity that there's and people just drinking it in. You see it every day. The world has gone nuts. I, I know that's a deep revelation that you might not have known, and so I will go ahead and tell you. The world, I, I've, had, I've had a month and a half off, and I've had time to analyze this and think about this, and I have come up with this conclusion. The world is nuts. And I've come up to this conclusion. It's going to get worse. The lines, listen to me, the lines are being drawn very clear, clearly as to what this society thinks is acceptable. Now, I think this, is, this message really begins to get important and it will begin to take shape now. It won't be long, and maybe it's already happened to you, till you will be considered and labeled unacceptable by society, by some of your friends, even some of your family, if you believe in and live by the words of God. I watched an interview. It really shook me. I watched this interview with a pastor on one of the leading news networks, and the topic was the feminist movement. 
The female anchor that was conducting the interview was attacking the pastor with a smirk on her face as she stood for the feminist ideology and the pastor stood for God's word. She made comments to the pastor like, isn't that a little antiquated? Then she asked her co-anchor what she thought, which was another woman, and the co-anchor replied with something like this, he needs to wake up and realize this is the 21st century. You know what? It doesn't matter what century this is. The word of God is the word of God. And it does not change. Psalms 119 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not going to get on the feminist kick here. Because there's plenty of other things to kick on. But the feminist movement hasn't even made its way into the church. We got to be careful, folks. God has distinctive roles for each of us to play, for each of us to walk in. And later this year, we'll get into some of that. And we're going to talk about some of that. We can't change God's mind in what God has already set. In fact, whenever you start trying to change the order of things, that's why we get in the mess that we're in right now. Okay, let's move on. Let's continue reading from Psalm 73. The psalmist begins to speak from, I would say, our Christian perspective. And this is what he says. What does God know, they ask. And he's talking about them. Then he says, does the Most High even know what's happening? You ever been there? God, do you, do you know where I am? Do you know what's going on in my life? Do you, see, do you see the things that are falling apart? Verse 12 says, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. While everything goes smooth in their life and, and everything, like it seems like the harder I try, the further... Down I go. Here comes the sad reality. It's possible for us to Christian, as Christians to begin to ask this very disheartening question. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long Every morning brings me pain. And you thought this was a new philosophy that was coming into the world and you're one of the first ones that has ever felt this way. The psalmist felt this way 2,500 years ago when that was penned. Come on, be truthful with me. Every one of us has felt like this from time to time. (laughs) Have I kept my heart pure for nothing? I mean, is, 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 I kept my innocent for no, myself innocent for no reason. Why, did, why didn't I get out there and just go ahead and party like everybody else? Have a good time. We say within ourselves, God, I've lived by your word. Still, I struggled. Why? Have you ever been afraid to say to another brother or sister what you really feel? Have you ever been afraid to say to a brother or sister, I'm struggling, and then say what you're struggling with? Have you ever felt, have you, have, you, have you ever done that? Because most of us would have the attitude, my God, I can't tell them that. 
what would they think of me? I mean, what, what would they think if they knew what I was dealing with? After all, I, I'm supposed to have the Holy Ghost and I'm supposed to be living for God and everything's supposed to be great and all of a sudden they feel like they hear I've got problems. I can't tell anybody that. I know you've been there. But listen to the psalmist. The psalmist considered the same thing. He said, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. All I can say is thank God for his mercy. He doesn't throw us away because of what we think. Thank God for that. Have you ever had thoughts run through your mind and you wonder where in the world did that come from? Every one of us has had from time, to time, from time to time considered what's the use. God understands this. Please understand me and hear me. God understands this. God knows when we reach the end of our rope. He does. That's why we need a prayer life, folks. That's why in 2024, a prayer life is the most important thing you can have. It's through our time of talking with him that he reaches into our spirits and encourages us. I remember, and I've shared this with you before. I remember, this has been back in the 90s, maybe the late 80s. We were struggling. Financially, we were, we were worse than broke. We were just, it was, it was bad. Let me just say it like that. And I was sitting in the living room. Donna had already gone to bed. The lights were out. I'm in my rocking chair. I'm rocking and I'm praying and I'm telling God just how bad it really is. And I need his help. I need, I need a check to show up in the mail. We didn't even have the lottery then and I was hoping I'd win the lottery. You know, I, I mean, it was bad. And I was feeling the weight and the pressure of everything. And all of a sudden, Brother Tommy, just like that, it was as if everything was okay. Now, understand, the bills were still in the bill box unpaid. There was not any more money in the checking account than there was previous. But I felt like everything was okay. In fact, it was so emphatic that I went to the bedroom and I woke Donna up and I told her, I said, I don't know how, but I said, God, just confirmed everything's going to be okay. You know what? Over the next three, four, five, six months, not a whole lot changed. You, I mean, I know you probably expected me to say something like, we got a check in the mail. No, we didn't. We still were struggling. But there was something changed in my spirit that yes, we're going to be okay. Everything is going to be fine. It's going to work out. That's what happens in a prayer life. When you're talking to him, he can minister to you. You ever tried to talk to somebody and they wouldn't even look at you and they wouldn't even talk back to you? That's the way God feels about us sometimes. But as long as we're talking to him and we're telling him 
things are going to work out. God understands when we get to the end of our rope. That's why we need his word. That's why we need the Bible. Because there is something about opening this Bible up and beginning to read and you need a reading plan and you, need, you don't need to just haphazardly grab it, open it up and start reading. No, read with a purpose. You need a good purpose? Read the Gospels. Start with the book of Matthew and let this year, let it, you're going to go through Matthew, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then go to the book of Acts. If you get, get the U version out, read the Bible chronologically. I've done that. Read the Bible through many, many years. I would do, do the Bible through in, in one year. But thy word have I hid in my heart. There are things that are going to come up in 2024. You need this in your heart. It will get you past where you are at that moment. Because you will know I have a promise. It's written in the Bible. Somebody called me the other day and they were, they were wanting a particular verse. They wanted to know where a particular verse was. And I told them, I said, I know it's in the book of Romans. But I can't tell you what chapter and I can't tell you what verse, verse it is. But I can tell you where it's written on the page in my Bible. Because it's highlighted and I know exactly where it is. I'm familiar with this book, not because I'm a preacher, but because this is life to me. It is. God knows when we've reached the end of our rope, that's why we need corporate worship. That's why we need, that's why he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And even more so as you see the day approaching. We see the day approaching, y'all. cannot express and it's not because I want a crowd I cannot express how important it is that you be in the house of God you never know when this may be the moment and the, and the service that you will receive what it is that you've been praying and asking God for for years and if you're not here your moment will pass you by I remember getting hungry for the word of God and getting hungry for God to do something in my life. And I, and, and I got to the point where I, I didn't want to miss camp meeting. I didn't want to miss men's conference. I didn't want, because I was afraid God was going to show up in, the, in one of those services. And it would be like he had never shown up before. And I would not be there to experience it and to get my portion of it. Oh, I've had some great encounters with God corporately but I've also had some moments corporately when we're all together where God has put me on my face I didn't know when you left I didn't know who was even praying with me I got a picture I think Lana sent it to me I'm laying right over there when my chairs were over here and I was laying face down and Joel is kneeling beside me with his hand in the middle of my back. I'll value that picture till my dying day. 
But I really didn't know what was going on around me. I just knew God was there with me doing something. And the fact that my grandson is there beside me with his hand on me, whatever God was doing in me, God was doing through him as well. Ah, you need, we need each other. We need to worship together. We, the, you never know when God's going to show up in a great way, and you're not going to be here. to. You can't just flippantly, I don't, well, you know, they're not going to miss me tonight. No, we're not. We won't miss you. We'll wonder where you are, but you may miss something. Now, I did not mean that the way it sounded. We will miss you. Okay, you get the point. That's why the psalmist continues in Psalm 73. He says, then I went into the sanctuary of God. That's just a good line right there. Then I went into, the, into your sanctuary. We need this place. Then I went into your sanctuary, O oh God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path. You think, we think they're getting by. No one gets by with anything. This book says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. I don't care who you are. And I don't care how bad you are. And I don't care how much you don't want to believe in God. I don't care. You will bow. And you will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will. Do it now, please. Do it now. Confess him as Lord now and not be forced later. I don't want to sound like that I'm being vindictive. That No, I, w I want him to, to bow now. He said, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at a dream in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. Then I realized life had gotten in the way of my relationship with the Lord. I was measuring my life with what society said was important instead of what God was saying was important in me. My, my priorities had become superficial instead of eternal. Our, look, what's eternal is priority number one. You may be thinking right now, Pastor, I'm just human. What's so wrong about thinking like a human? Well, when he saved us, his word said we became new creatures. I don't think like I used to think. I'm not who I used to be. And some of you were a lot worse than I ever thought about being. And you're not supposed to think that way anymore. You're not, you, you, you were supposed to get over yourself. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 
He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are a new individual when you are saved. Don't think like you used to think. Don't speak like you used to speak. Don't lose your temper like you used to lose your temper. Don't do the things you used to do. You are different. You are new. The psalmist goes on to say, I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. That's so important. He didn't throw us away because we were foolish. He says, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. And he is. He is. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Can you say that? Can you really say that about the Lord? I desire you more than anything on earth. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or a verbal answer on that. You ask yourself. The psalmist says, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. In the days that are ahead of us, y'all, and I know that I, that I keep referring to that, as we near the soon coming of the Lord, this must become a main focus. I desire you more than anything. You say, well, Brother Bruce, I, I, I don't know. Everything's, everything's pretty bad now. How's it going to get any worse? I don't know. We thought the same thing back in the 90s. Everything looked pretty bad then too. Go back to the 80s. Things were looking pretty bad then too. And we wondered how it could get any worse and it's multiple times worse now. Listen to these closing words of the psalmist. He said, my, my health may fail. My spirit, my spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Somebody make up your mind. That cannot change. If I, if, if I lose my health, whatever, I, I, I must make him mine forever. Is this true of us? Do we really feel this way? If not, we must. I know you got your careers. I know you got your jobs. I know, I know all, and you're sitting there saying, Brother Bruce, that's easy because you're, full -time, you're a full-time pastor. You don't face the things we face. And I don't. I don't face some of the things you face. But I face the things that I do have to face. I face people's lives falling apart. And I'm trying to help, and sometimes it seems like they don't want help. They want permission to fail. I'm, I'm dealing with pastors that are struggling in their churches, and they've got problems in their churches. I No, I don't face the things you face, but I face the things that I face. And yes, those things can become discouraging, but I want you to know I've made him mine forever. 
And as long as he is mine forever, I've got a safe place to run to. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous runneth into it and are safe. I made him mine forever. It's something we must do. I'm not making a suggestion tonight that we make him the center of our life. Listen to me very, very carefully. As your shepherd, as one who loves you with all my heart, I pray with everything in me that you make him your all in all and you do it early this year. Don't wait until until everything falls apart around you. Make sure that he's your all in all now and when things do fall apart and they will fall apart, then you will have strength. Oh, Brother Bruce, you think everything's... Oh, it's a very strong possibility. This life, this life that is redeemed by his blood must, without excuse, we must get a bulldog determination that regardless of what the world thinks or my friends think or my family or my spouse, I will make him Lord of my life to the fullest expression of his word. Understand how I just said that, that I make him Lord of my life to the fullest expression of his word. The psalmist closes Psalm 73 with a warning and a commitment. He says this, those who desert him will perish for you destroy those who abandon you. The psalmist is talking to the Lord. He says, those who, des- who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. Verse 28, though, this should be all of us. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. How good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Do you have a testimony? Do you, do you have, this is what God did for me in your life? I could look across this room and I could begin to name things and, 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 and speak them out and you would concur because I've been around most of you a long, long time. And I know what God has done for you. And I could begin to name those things. You've got a testimony to give. Somebody needs to hear your testimony because they're, they're not where you are and they are struggling out there and they have nothing to turn to. But if you can tell them, this is what God did for me, then all of a sudden maybe they will look at you and think, well, if God did that for you, surely he can do that for me. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? I almost tripped. I think all of us have been there. I believe all of us can say, I almost threw the towel in. I almost quit. I want you to know in 2024, there's no place to quit. Let me ask you this. What you got to quit to? If you decide to quit, what you got to quit to? Has the world got anything to offer you that is better? 
than what God offers you? You know, there's, there's people that are trying to escape reality right now. And they're doing it through medicine. They're doing it through alcohol. They're doing it through illegal drugs. They're trying their best to escape the reality. Why escape it? Why not turn the other direction and lay it at the master's feet and say, this is more than I can carry. It's more than I can handle. I need your help. Because if you satisfy yourself, if you escape reality by man's ways, when you sober up, reality will still be there. But it's like I was telling you about sitting in that rocking chair when everything changed in prayer. Things may not, the sky may not roll back and fix everything in your life, but I promise you all of a sudden something can happen inside of you that gives you hope and, and gives you a reason to go on. And maybe I'm not talking to anybody in here. Maybe it's somebody I'm talking to on the web right now. almost thrown the towel in a couple of times until I come to the conclusion I didn't have anything to turn to but to him and whenever I turned to him and I fell at his feet he has never let me down never I can promise you never Father I thank you tonight That you are God from everlasting to everlasting. You change not. Your word is forever settled in heaven. You are our hope. You are our strength. You're our peace. You're our help. You're our healer. You're our way maker. More importantly than all those things, you're our savior. And I give you thanks tonight because you shed your blood for us. Every person in this room and every person listening to me on the web right now, you shed your blood for us so that we could have hope. That we could escape the troubles and the struggles that we have. We lay our, we lay our situations at your feet tonight. Every, every need in here in this room and every need on the web right now, every need, every situation, we lay it at your feet and we ask you to help us because we realize there's nothing to turn back to. You are our hope for today and for tomorrow. I ask you to be with each of us as we go from this place. I pray for Sister Evelyn. I pray for Brother Tommy. I pray for the entire Riddick family. May the angels of the Most High God encamp about them. May the peace that only you can give, that peace that we don't understand and we don't know how it operates, but we have all experienced your peace. We ask for that peace to be imparted upon the Riddick family right now. I just bless the name of the Lord. And I give you thanks for all things in Jesus' name. Why don't you lift your hands and just love the Lord for a moment. We love you and we worship you.